If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're in the midst of this series where we're talking about these short sayings of Jesus that made major impacts in our world, in our lives. And if we take them to heart, can change how we live. I was thinking this week, you know, on Twitter, you get 140 characters, which can, which can be a lot of words. But I was thinking this week about how your life can be changed with only three words. There are lots of things that people can say in just three words that can be life altering. For instance, she said, yes. It's a boy. It's a girl. It's your doctor. It's your lawyer. I miss you. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Tests are clear. Cancer is back. You did what? Time is up. It's not good. The check bounced. Can we talk? I found someone at the ER. I love you. Isn't it amazing what you can communicate in three words? The Jesus tweet we're going to look at today, which you've already seen on the screen, is basically three words. But if we take them to heart, they can be life altering. And in Mark chapter four, we're going to look at this story. It's one of my favorite stories. And part of the reason that I love this story out of the book of Mark particularly is because there are details in the story that Mark tells that don't have any other reason to be there except that they're there because Mark was there. Or he had eyewitnesses that told him about it that were there. In fact, there are these people that study for their lives whether stories written long ago are made up stories or real stories. And they say, if you want to know if a story is real, you look for details that don't make any difference in the story. And that probably tells you it's real. Well, Mark has those in this. And in chapter four of Mark, we're going to look just for a few minutes at this amazing story. And here, here's what it says. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. It says on that day. Now, let me tell you about Jesus's day. On that day, Jesus had had a confrontation with the Pharisees first thing in the morning that had completely turned in a direction where they were confrontational with him and he was having to fight back. On that day, Jesus had been teaching by this lake, by this sea, and he had been teaching so much and so many people had been coming that the crowds began to push up against him. And the only way he knew to get distance from him in the crowd where he could adequately teach was he climbed into a boat and he taught from a boat for most of the day. When evening comes... He says, I got to get away for a little bit. Let's get in the boat. Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. And so they left the crowd, that's the disciples, and they got in the boat and they took off. But there was one problem. So did other people. Right? This is one of those little details that make any difference in the story, but I find it interesting. It says there were other boats that followed him. Anybody here ever tried to just get away, just try to relax, just try to stop for the day? And it seems life won't let you do it. Anybody ever had one of those days? 
Like, I, like I'm finally here. I've got everything done. I'm just going to sit down for a minute. And you sit down and the text comes. Or the phone call. Or the baby cries. Or, Mom, I think I just did something. Or you open up the mail that you just hadn't been able to get to and there's an unexpected bill or there's an unexpected charge. You're just trying to get away. You're just trying to get (laughs) some space. Jesus gets in the boat. And here's an interesting thing, too. In the original language, it says they put him in the boat just as he was. Now, that that really doesn't make any sense. It's not like just as I am or, you know, like a real sentimental thing. It means he was done for the day and they said, just crawl into the boat. Now, now, those of you that know the story, we're going to get there in a minute. But what does Jesus do when he gets in the boat? He was not a very good talking companion on the night. He goes out, he sleeps because he's worn out. Well, here's what happens. They get in the boat and they start on, on the boat and suddenly this storm rises. In fact, the, the Bible uses an interesting thing. It says a fierce windstorm arose. The, the words there are, are the words, one of the words is actually seismic. What do they use seismic? What do they use to describe something as seismic activity? Earthquake, right? That doesn't mean there was an earthquake. What it means is that the storm was so violent that it was like an earthquake was happening. It was so violent that it was shaking everything around them. The word there for windstorm is the word that would be used for something like a hurricane. So I want you to get this picture. They they were on this sea that is well below sea level. It's, it's, It's down in the midst of this valley and there are mountains all around. And as that was happening, the we're going to be a meteorologist for a minute, all right? The warm air would come up, the cold air would come down, and I don't know anything about meteorology other than to know that's not good. And these storms are just erupt. They still do over in that part on this. They just erupt out of the middle of it. And they don't have Leland Statum to tell them it's coming. They just, it just comes. And this storm is so fierce that the waves are breaking over the boat and the boat was already being Swamp. How many of you have ever been in a really bad storm? A couple of you. Good. Been in a really bad storm. I mean, I was looking this week. I have an app on my phone that gives me my status updates from like last year and three years ago and four years ago. And I, in the past week, I saw one that showed me the worst decision I've ever made as your pastor. And it was simply said this. It said, everything good at the church, all services are normal today. Randy Brooks remembers this, right? Callie remembers it, our graduating Callie, because about an hour later she was stuck in an elevator, right? An hour and a half later, the next tweet I sent out said, no electricity at the church, all services canceled today. How many remember the flood of Nashville, right? I've been in some storms. I was, when I was growing up, I was, we had a tornado that ripped the the shed out of our backyard that touched down about three houses down from us uh, out in the suburbs of Dyersburg. Y'all didn't know Dyersburg had suburbs, but it does. Out near Rowellen, out there. We had a tornado that hit there. When I was in Fort Worth, Texas, we had tornadoes that went through downtown Fort Worth, went right by where Susan and I both uh, lived at the time. And so we had been in tornadoes there. We've been in the flood here. I've been in some storms. And what's fascinating about this particular storm, and if you've heard this passage talked about all, you realize this, this storm is happening to guys that were used to storms like this. 
And so for them to freak out means that it was especially bad. And they look around the boat and everybody's bailing water out, trying to keep it dry, except for one guy. It's Jesus. Tells us Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping. And I love this. Another one of those details. On a cushion. I mean, Jesus wasn't just like, you know, falling asleep, sitting up. He'd grabbed him a pillow. Right? I mean, when I go home this afternoon, I'm probably going to take a nap. But it may just be I fall asleep wherever I am. But if I take the time to get a pillow, I am going for some serious sleep. Amen? Maybe not for you. But for me, that's what it means. He gets a pillow. Now, I just want you to understand. This is, it didn't come from Pottery Barn. All right? I mean, this is like a, a sandbag or something, but whatever it is, it, it was soft and he was asleep on it. And the guys look around and they say, don't you even care about to die here? I mean, have you noticed the storm It is flooding the boat? What are we going to do? Get up. What, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, we give these guys a hard time. But let me tell you something. If you were in that storm and water was coming in the boat and you were bailing water as fast as you can, do you know what you would say to Jesus who was asleep? Get up. Why don't you get up? Help us out here. We need some help. Amen. Right. So you're like, I don't want to say amen to that. What you would. I know you. But why aren't you helping out? What are you doing? You're just laying there. Jesus, we need help. We're going to die. Now, they didn't have any idea that he could do anything about it other than pick up a bucket and bail some water. Jesus gets up. Now, now, I like to think that Jesus was 100% human, right? How are you when you wake up? Hmm? Grumpy? Were you talking about you or your spouse? Oh, you. I just. Yeah, I guess that's a better question. How's your spouse when they wake up, right? Grumpy? Thank you. So we got consensus in the bag of family over there. No, no. Any, any of y'all have that kind of uh, hazy thing going on where you kind of wake up, you're not real sure where you are? I, I like to think Jesus is 100% human and he is out. I mean, he is on a pillow. That means he is out asleep. I have to, I have to think that Jesus, when he woke up, this isn't the bright, cheerful, woohoo! Let's stop it, wind. What's the word it uses there? He got up, what does he do? He rebuked. Do you, do you know what it, that word means? It's, it's the same word that was used when Jesus spoke to demons. He rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, peace, be still. Now, I want to tell you, I don't think that's how he said it. I mean, I know that's the way it feels. And when you see the words peace and you feel the words be still, you, you want it to be that Nice, comforting, just calm down, everything will be okay. But I know from my own experience, that's not always how you say those words. For instance, in my house, when the noise level rises to a place that is unbearable, and with four children, that happens, right? Y'all are looking at me like that doesn't happen at your place, it happens. And when I want them to get quiet, I do not go... And maybe I should, but I don't. Children, we all need to quiet down a little bit right now. I need everyone just to settle, right? Do you know what happens? I lean over the edge and I say, quiet! Which is kind of ironic, I guess, that you're yelling that, right? 
But I have the picture of Jesus getting up and the word rebuke there means to strongly speak against. And you notice there are exclamation points. And so when he wakes up, he wakes up in that state of just being awakened. He's not 100 percent chipper and cheery, ready to go at that moment. He wakes up and he says, peace. Quit it. Stop. Be still. In fact, what he actually says is, and we may start using this at the house, be muzzled. That's what he says to the storm. Muzzle yourself. All right. If you're looking for new ways to correct your children, muzzle yourself. All right. And immediately, immediately. The wind stops. And there's a great calm. You know the calm that comes after a major storm, right? I mean, like it is calm. Then he looks at his disciples because, see, he had just been teaching on faith and belief. He'd been using these parables, and I am sure that as he's teaching, the apostles are like, man, this guy's good. Did you hear what he said? Man, that is good. We're with you, Jesus. We believe Jesus. Yes, have faith. Absolutely, Jesus. 100%. And he looks at him and he says, you said you had faith. The wind's got a little rough. A little water comes in the boat. What happened? You got scared. You still don't have any faith, do you? And the apostles are blown away by what happened. It says in verse 41, they were terrified, awestruck, in complete wonder about what had just happened, and looked at each other and said, Who is this? To be honest, that's the most important question that every person on the face of the earth ever answers. When it deals with Jesus asking the question, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, here's the thing that I I think about this passage. I think when Jesus gets up and he is proclaiming and rebuking the wind and the waves, that that is the main point of what he's doing. But I think as a side note on what he's intending to do, he's also speaking to the guys in the boat. Stop it. Be still. Rest. I've been in some major storms, tornadoes, floods. And I've been in a number I could count on my hand, maybe one time. But the truth is, I've been in a whole lot more storms of life than I've been in actual physical storms. And I think Jesus is using this as an illustration of the power he has because he knows in these guys' life, the storms are going to keep coming and they're not always going to be out in a boat in the middle of a lake. They're going to be in the phone calls that come, in the things that happen in our lives, in the letters we receive, in those three words that change everything about who we are. There are going to be moments in our lives when the storms are going to come unexpectedly and they're going to be fiercer and stronger than we can ever imagine. 
In fact, just a few weeks, months later, Jesus is going to be talking with these guys and he's almost going to use the exact same words. He's going to tell them, listen, I'm going away. And when I go away, you're going to have trouble of all kinds. This world is not going to be nice to you. They're going to reject you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to persecute you. But take heart. Peace. I leave with you. And I don't know where you are today, but perhaps you're in the midst of one of those storms. Can I tell you something? If you're not, there's probably one coming pretty soon. And in the midst of the storms of life, sometimes we just need to hear the one who has said to the wind and waves, be still. We need to hear him say it to our lives. Listen. We've had a great morning celebrating Mother's Day, but I also realize that Mother's Day isn't always a celebration for people. I mean, there, there are ladies in this room, there are men in this room that have lost their moms in the last year, the last couple of years, the last few years, years ago, and yet it still hurts. And Mother's Day is one of those days that brings up a reminder of those issues. Mother's Day is one of those days, and Susan and I have been this couple when we sat across from the doctor and the words to us, it wasn't three words, but they were still powerful when they said, you won't have any children of your own. And Mother's Day was one of those days that year after year, our hearts ached. We would sit in services, we were serving on staff in churches, and the celebration would be great, but we would be mourning inside. And it's not just because it's Mother's Day. I mean, there are relationships in this room that need rebuilding. There are futures that are completely uncertain. There are medical tests that are awaiting results. And at every turn of our life, it seems that there are storms that are going to come. And when we want to get away from them, sometimes we think it can't get any worse. Guess what happens? It gets worse. And what Jesus gets on the disciples about is the fact that they should have never doubted anything because of who was in the boat with them. He says, you don't have any faith. Now, if you're here today, and I just want to be honest, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I don't have any words of advice for you on how to survive the storms of life that are going to come. I don't have any. Because the only way that I know to survive the storms of life that are inevitable is that we live in a world that they're going to happen. There are going to be financial storms, relationship storms, family storms, business storms. The company's going to downsize and you're going to be the one out. Relationships are going to be torn apart and you're going to be the one that is suffering in the midst of it. Illnesses are going to come and it's going to be someone you love dearly or it's going to be you. And if you're trying to navigate that without Jesus... I don't have anything to give you. But I can tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what storms come into your life, no matter what, no matter what may come, the one who's in the boat with you is more powerful than any circumstance you will encounter. And faith is just the settled assurance that the one who's traveling with you will take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. When Jesus tells the wind and the waves, peace, for that moment and in that place, everything stopped and it got quiet. But that's not always the case. And in fact, the Bible teaches us that peace isn't about the absence of conflict or the absence of wrong. Peace is having a settled 
confidence in Jesus in the midst of whatever may come. As your pastor, I can't tell you only good things are coming. In fact, if I told you that if you just trusted Jesus, everything would be great in your life, I would be flat out lying. Because Jesus teaches us the more you follow him, sometimes the worse things get. But who's in the boat with you makes all the difference in the world. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what storms you're in or what conflict is happening. But I can assure you this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what it is, he's bigger than what you're facing. And I'm going to ask you today to trust him. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the only advice I can give you is that it's time to examine the question, who is this? And until you settle that, nothing else in your life will fall in place. Let's pray together.